1: There, Knicks fans, how you doing? Um, it is your usual host, John the Macri, and I have uh, the most special of guests <laughs> on with me today for a very special episode of the podcast. Um, my uh, sometimes colleague covering the Knicks games, my uh, train companion a few times, going back to the friendly confines of Long Island, um, and more importantly than any of that, a legend in his own right uh, covering this team somehow, some way. For two decades uh, mark Berman how are you doing my friend
0: uh, yeah well it's the 21st season and uh, it's been as crazy as most of them in <laughs> fact uh, I could argue that this is one of the wilder uh, seasons i have come
1: so I, I I wanted to start with that. Um, the latest thing is the Spike thing. And by the way, do you, you know, I, I think about this stuff sometimes, especially since I was writing the newsletter the last couple of days and you have to report stuff that, you know, people are going to be mad at you for reporting. Do you ever give a second thought when you write something to like, oh, you know, people don't want to read this? Or do you just feel a responsibility like, look, this is the biggest news story. I'm going to report the biggest news story.
0: No, it's a great question because Knicks fans have had to read so much negative stuff, and there comes a breaking point. And I honestly, at the beginning of the season, or actually more in training camp, we were a little negative about their prospects, and I think I may have picked them for 25 wins in my prediction, and people were outraged they're going to be really good. Over the summertime, they signed their six, seven free agents, and we kind of panned it as a disappointment. A lot of fans were, no, this is a good signing. They're going to be good. So, yeah, there comes a point where writing negative stories about the Knicks, it used to be uh, you know, a lot of clicks and everything. But sometimes the, the Nick fan base has just had enough. They've had their fill. And they want to read a positive story about Kevin Knox, like I wrote about last week. His father raving about Great story. the future for him. Yeah. And so the Spike thing, yeah, you you see some of the comments and like, could you write about basketball? And obviously it became a national story and we, you know, it it just overshadowed the basketball. It overshadowed R.J. Barrett's terrific performance against Houston and that great win. And, but this Knicks fan base, it's tough for them to read about Spike Lee versus James Dolan. And then last night with, you know, another incident with fans.
1: Yeah, and and I've been thinking about that a lot. And yeah, look, this isn't the first sell the team chant that we've we've had. Do you? I mean, look, you've been in the walls of that place, like you said. This is your twenty first season. Um, a belated congratulations on on passing the twenty year mark. By the way, do do you? I, I I'm sure you have the scars to prove it. Um, do you think any of those chants? get to him obviously him i mean james dolan at all or do they just embolden him all 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 that much more
0: oh they drive him crazy Uh, it's the worst thing he could chant but is it the 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 question is as i spoke to the fan today is it gonna force him to put the knicks on the market in a year if like the leon rose experiment doesn't work this guy is the most stubborn owner in sports history. He keeps making the same mistakes over and over and expects a different result. Uh, This thing with Spike Lee is so ludicrous. Yeah, obviously, Spike, for some reason, prefers him to go to the VIP athletic, uh, the VIP entrance, but who cares? Uh, I've ridden the elevator with Spike Lee. He's a small man. He's not taking up much room on the elevator and the employees get a kick out of it. So, uh, to be honest, I mean, I haven't written this, but I have to believe, and Spike probably feels this too, that this is about Charles Oakley. Spike Lee came out in support of Charles Oakley after that incident, and Dolan has held a grudge. And the fact is, Spike Lee has not appeared in many games this year. It's been a very small handful. But uh, it's just crazy that this incident and the Knicks escalating it could overshadow a two-game winning streak and RJ Barrett's potential breakout game.
1: So you talk about the Knicks escalating it, and, and look, I like you say I have a lot of Nick, and I'm an, obviously a Nick fan. I have a lot of Nick fans in my mentions saying you're the part of the problem. You're continuing this story, and you know what? If it was just the first take, if it was the initial whatever happened that night, and then he went on first take, and that was the end of it, then yeah. maybe I could hear that argument once they put out the statement, which you just referred to as was ludicrous um, and with the picture and the two pictures, excuse me. Um, it just, you know, it makes me wonder, does he realize he's biting his nose to, to spite his face? Do you think he doesn't care? Like where, where do you come off on this?
0: Right. I think that, that he has issues. I mean, it's clear. I mean, he had to know that a fight with Spike Lee over which entrance he should use, was not going to go well around the country. And when I say people don't like reading negative stories, I should say Knicks fans specifically are have had their fill. But around the country, they eat it up. Yeah, and that's why ESPN true. went crazy with it. Non-Knicks fans, you know, most of the country, and you know, we travel around, I mean, they're not big fans of New York or New Yorkers or the Knicks. So they love to see it. And you'll see on social media, uh, you know, some Tweeting about how dysfunctional they are and and like gleefully tweeting stuff. So, but yeah, I I can't figure the man out. I mean, he he makes the same mistakes over and over and expects a different result.
1: And I I believe that's the definition of, of something. Yes,
0: it's yes, it is, and it's an Albert Einstein quote. It's the definition of insanity. And you know, I don't know what's what what he could be thinking. Rationally, to continue to make the same mistakes over and over. I mean, the worst part, he hired a Steve Stout. Uh, he hired Steve Stout to be their branding manager, spending all this money, putting him on ESPN and putting him on in the Wall Street Journal. And he, I think he did an interview with the New York Times. What's the point? What's the point in hiring Steve Stout if you're going to make these type of decisions with Spike Lee?
1: So, and the even more confusing part for me, and you. Not that it was necessary. I wouldn't put it as like breaking a story, but you pointed out yesterday. Um, I think it was before the game, or maybe even just at the beginning of it, that there seemed to be a lot more empty seats than normal. And sure enough, today ESPN had a story that said uh, it was the most. Um, I think they actually put it as unsold tickets. I, I am not. I don't yeah, know. The,
0: it, it's the lowest uh, announced attendance. Lowest announced attendance in thirteen years. In thirteen, yeah. years. it was under seventeen thousand. And I, it was you know I, we wrote about it, but I forgot to check the box score because we were trying to track down these ejected kids. <laughs> yeah. The attendance is right in the box score. But I still didn't believe it was that low. Uh, rather, it would be the lowest in 13 years. And our first, you know, in our press box that, you know, you sit in, the section to our right was completely empty. I mean, there was just a few fans in there. And we're like, what is going on? And we were thinking And those are those are good seats.
1: Those are good seats. Because for anybody who doesn't know where the press box is, those are like the 200 section, essentially. So they're not bad seats.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not the upper deck. But uh, so it was almost completely empty. And we're looking around, a lot of pockets of empty seats. And we're scratching our heads. And I tweeted something. And, and then the Knicks uh, thought that it would be wise to explain that it is a five-game homestand. They're in the middle of a five-game homestand, about seven or eight days, and this is sort of a low game. Utah is not a big draw on the road statistically, so uh, that was a factor. But uh, and they are expecting a sellout uh, for the for the Thunder on Friday night. But listen, you have to believe that their record and you know everything that's been going around with uh, the negative publicity uh, was a factor as well.
1: Yeah. And I just I wonder how this all coalesces in in Dolan's mind. And, you know, is it is it going to be him trying to push, uh, you know, Leon Rose, obviously the new higher president to make um, potentially more of a win now move this summer? You um, wrote today, you picked up the as you said, serious, uh, had a a initial report about Chris Paul that the Knicks were, um, I think, what was the term doing their doing their... Uh, They were doing some intel. Doing some... I've
0: heard for a couple, two, three weeks, Carmelo and Chris Paul put them on the radar, you know, now that uh, Leon is in charge. Obviously, the agent of both players, uh, Leon, was involved. Uh, The Rockets last year, or after the season, uh, had offered Chris to the Knicks, and Steve Mills had obviously no interest at all in a rebuilding program. And... uh, Now things have changed. I mean, let's be honest. Leon has different relationships, different thoughts. Spoke to one uh, team executive who said, it's not crazy in the terrible Eastern Conference. You make a couple of changes, Chris Paul manning your weakest position, and you might be uh, onto something. So the salary is crazy. I mean, what do you think, Jonathan? I mean, it is a a hot-button type of issue with that contract to figure out he's 34 this year he'll make that 41 million dollars in that 2021-22 season so i don't know what kind of cap space they could possibly have in 2020
1: so i mean you're asking me it's the catch-22 you want to make your team more attractive to potential stars you want to make your young players come along you know to make it a more appealing situation Chris Paul theoretically uh, checks both of those boxes, but he also takes up so much of the salary cap that even if the star wants to come, uh, you may be blocked. My point that I always make is if we've learned anything in the NBA over the last several years, as we saw with the Clippers this summer and we've seen several other times, if a guy wants to come to your team, he's going to figure out a way to get to your team and you'll make the necessary trade you have to make, give up the picks, future picks, whatever. Um, I am more, if it was taking on Chris Paul for free, essentially just giving up, you know, all of these salaries that have, uh, $1 million guarantees, which you've reported on several times, that's fine. I have a feeling Oklahoma city is not exactly going to be thrilled to, to just give him away for, for expiring money. That's my issue. And that's where I wonder, and maybe you've heard something, you know, how committed is Leon Rose to the young kids that are here? They're not his kids. He didn't draft them. Um, you know, do you have anything on, on that front?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's why he wants to travel to every road game and he'll be at every home game because he's evaluating these guys. Obviously he has no attachment to them. Uh, nothing invested in them like Scott Perry and Steve Mills does. Uh, but when you talk about the, the Paul trade, I mean, Oklahoma city, they were in a rebuilding mode, collecting a, a mammoth amount of draft picks. And suddenly, Chris Paul, you know, has this throwback season, and you know, Shea Alexander is playing out of his mind, and you know, they're in the playoff. Uh, they're in the playoffs. They're going to be in the playoffs. So, but if they get knocked down in the first round, I could see them. Okay, let's go back to our rebuilding plan and try to get young assets. The Knicks have draft picks. Dennis Smith Jr. may have some trade value if he could come back from the concussion and play well. Your lips I mean, to, need... to God's ears, Mark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they need these young guys to excel over these final 20 games. They need Kevin Knox, who has shown a little life uh, the past few days. Uh, they need him to step up. They need Dennis Smith, again, to come back. They need Frank to still be steady. I mean, they need to build their trade values for Leon Rose because I'm not sure if Leon Rose wants to – Move on with them, you know, long term.
1: Uh, you bring up the young kids. I only have you for a couple more minutes. I want to hit a couple quick topics. RJ Barrett is obviously well. I don't know. I would argue that Mitchell Robinson is is right there with him. He's one of the two most important kids that they have. To me, it seems like on the basketball court, at least him and Randall, Julius Randall, mix like oil and water. Um, I've only been obviously. I've only covered a handful of games this year. You're around all the time. I, I don't get the sense that they, like, dislike each other or anything like that. I, I'm wondering, do you get any kind of impression about how they are as teammates together, as kind of almost like the two figureheads of the franchise at the moment on the court?
0: Are we talking Mitchell and Randall?
1: No, uh, Randall and RJ. RJ Barrett.
0: Oh, Randall and RJ. Yeah, no, I don't look at them as very close. I'm not sure if Julius is actually very close with anyone. He's first guy out of the locker room after a game, that's for sure. Uh, you know, he came in, he said he wanted to be a leader, but I know I had heard rumblings earlier in the season that, you know, he he should step up more and and be a more vocal leader. He's not a a loud guy or anything. And I guess he wants to lead by example and he struggled early, so maybe he lost some of his confidence in the locker room. But yeah, I don't sense uh, that they're close. In fact, I remember asking Barrett at the All-Star weekend festivities, who's the veterans uh, you lean on and he named a couple and I think it was Ellington and Taj and it was definitely not Julius. Huh. So, uh, but and also with Julius and Mitchell, I don't see a big connection there. Mitchell and Taj are, you know, they're Mun and Jeff, they're on the court together working out and the, in the weight room working out. So one thing with Julius, you know, we talked about his turnovers and some of his, you know, his poor three point shooting, he he also needs to be a bigger leader because he's one of the, believe it or not, oldest guys on
1: the team. It's Yeah, it's crazy to think that. He's only 25. Um, two more. I'm going to get you out of here. Alan Houston, you um, are the only person on the beat who actually covered him when he was a player, so you've known him for quite some time. Uh, his star seems to be on the rise within the organization. He is one guy that I feel like I have never read anything about in terms of just kind of how he is day to day, what his MO is, how you know how how he operates. Do you get any sense of where he's at in terms of an executive? What his like? What can you can you tell us anything about yeah. about Alan Houston? I mean,
0: listen, he he's a very political guy, and he has a very nice relationship with Dolan. He's also a CAA guy, so he knows Leon. And he knows Wesley, World Wide West, who behind the scenes will have some influence. So uh, as a scout, I haven't heard anything tremendous about him, but I think he's just a, a good guy, to, you know, a good team player with, with, in the organization. And uh, I have noticed, though, that Leon Rose was sitting with Scott Perry, Jamie Matthews, Michael Oserio, the, the cap man uh, in the first two games, I didn't see Alan around, but I think Leon knows Alan well enough. I mean, Leon is just trying to get to know everybody. He's taking it slow and he just wants to be around the players. He wants to be around the coaches and the front office people, uh, because he's got to decide who do I want to move on with people? But I think you're right. But what you said earlier, yeah, I think Alan's going to move on. And uh, a lot of life is politics and, uh, you know, Alan has uh, established nice relationships with uh, the owner and uh, Leon.
1: It, it would seem so. Um, last question. People are going to think we we scripted this. You you gave me a, a nice, easy softball to throw right back at you. Um, you have I, I don't want to say you've reported, but it, it would it be fair to say you've insinuated that there is a possibility, at least of a house cleaning coming? Um, has. Can you give us anything like wh- where do you think Leon Rose is thinking at this point? Like what what have you heard? What do you know?
0: Yeah, I i thought that there was a chance that he was going to come in and and make some changes right away, but that seems to I think as the his date for his first uh, day got closer, he got so tied up with with the CAA and finishing up his business there. He really, I mean, people were contacting him, and he was like, I, I can't talk about the Knicks yet until I finish up my CAA work. So it wasn't really until March 1st or March 2nd that he was able to turn the page. So he comes in just completely wanting to take it slow and get to know everyone. And yeah, he may fall in love with Scott Perry. He may be around him enough and say, boy, Scott's a really smart guy. So he wanted to give these guys the opportunity Ultimately, toward the end of the season, yeah, I think there may be a major house house cleaning. I think the medical staff is safe. I think he he knows that they've done a great job uh, through his dealings as Carmelo's agent and uh, J.R. Smith's agent. But there'll be changes, but it, it won't be imminent. I thought there would be more imminency to it, but he was just not able to, you know, if you fire someone, you want to bring someone in. And he really hasn't started serious Talks with other people around the
1: league. Uh, well, that's, um, that's probably for the best. Um, I, I got to get you on one something before I give me, give me one prediction between now and next season. What's, give me something, Tibbs, CP3, I don't know. Uh, so anything else? What do you have a gut feeling? I know you have gut feelings, Mark.
0: Yeah. I think the one guarantee, I mean, I think Tibbs is the favorite. Uh, C P is gonna be a tough trade. I think the one guarantee is Carmelo Anthony's on the roster next season. Whoa uh, so Leon tried to Leon <laughs> tried to get him on the roster this season. Uh and uh I just think he'll have you know, Portland's probably missing the playoffs, so Carmelo's not yeah. gonna have his big attachment to Portland. Carmelo loves the Knicks. He loves New York. I know he's from he lives in Baltimore and like, considers that, you know, he's got the tattoo. But there's something about being born in Brooklyn and you know, I guess he lived here till he was about 10 years old, but he really feels an affinity to New York. And I think he wants to be here. And I think Leon wants him to finish his
1: career as a Nick. Listen, let's get uh, get CP, we get uh, Carmelo, who else <laughs> was on the banana, boat? Yeah. we'll bring Dwayne. We well, think Dwayne Wade, he just had well, they had a three-day party for him. You think he would come yeah. out of retirement? Well, we,
0: in my story today, I have a joke that, well, remember 10 years ago, 2010, is when Chris Paul made the toast yeah. about we'll form our own big three, talking about Stoudemire himself and Anthony. So if Omari, I think Omari may have went back to Israel. I'm not sure. but
1: I, He's playing yeah, somewhere. I know that. Season. Yeah. Like that? I, I I know he's playing. I mean, let's see. If we, if we could get. Yeah, I think he's in Israel. Now. If we could get Wade, Paul, and Carmelo Anthony, the, the Lakers yeah, probably be won't. Better the lakers probably won't let lebron go maybe you could be the fourth one on the banana boat and
0: <laughs> the big four yeah so yeah. No, i i think that leon wants to bring uh, some star power to new york i mean he's a star guy and yeah we're going to see i think it's going to be fun next season i, I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team everyone's thinking all right next season will be another uh, lottery year and then maybe the next year they'll be ready but i think uh, there'll be more star power cuz this year no star power at all
1: on the basketball court. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens, Mark. Um, truly, uh, I thank I thank you not only for for this, obviously, but um, you know people people give you give you shit, and they give you a lot of it. And all you do is you go out every day and you just give us something to read, and I appreciate it, and I know a lot of other people do too. So um, you know, thank thank you for your many years of service. I'll just say that.
0: <laughs> well, thanks for your service. That's like I've been in combat. But, well, uh, if th- if this uh, is in
1: combat, I don't know what is. So you know, for, no, for...
0: <laughs> no, it's totally true. I really appreciate the kind words. You're doing a great job uh, with your two gigs, and uh, I wish you a great great luck in the future.
1: Thank you so much, Mark. I'll uh, you'll be there on Sunday. I'm assuming it.
0: Yeah? yeah, I'm ready for Sunday, and uh, and are you going to be around uh, this weekend? I I will be. I won't be
1: at the game um, on Friday. I will be at the game on Sunday. So I will I will see you there. Sure very nice. Be well, bro. Anytime. Thank you.